grace and peace be multiplied unto each of you under the sound of my voice. Wow. What a year we are having. It seems like creation itself is under attack. Every being, every system, every power are all affected by the seemingly chaotic force blowing through the earth. I would even say that this year, 2020, has seemed like a storm of chaos that has been waiting for someone in authority to stand up and command it. We, each of us, parts of the body of Christ, unfortunately have been looking at the system of the world and its power to remediate this storm. The problem is, is that system is less than the storm that is raging, and because it is less than, it cannot command. Chaos can only be brought into order by true power, by true authority. And only that power and that authority that is greater than what is being commanded itself, in this case, the storm or the chaos that is in the land. For 11 months, we have looked at the pandemic, the political instability, our failing science, the violence in our cities, the disunity amongst the people, even the people of this nation, hatred, systematic racism, moral degradation, and a host of many more evidences of chaos running rampant in the land with the wrong mindset and with the wrong confidence. Our confidence has been misplaced. Some of us have even stood by waiting to see the salvation of the Lord, not realizing that you, are the salvation of the Lord in this current system. Storms destroy order and establish chaos in organized systems. Storms look to break up what has been built. When we see the chaos, we are to respond to that chaos and the power of who we truly are. We can see the storm beyond its effect and see its very being. With our eyes fixed on its being, we can become the storm in the system itself. If chaos is the system's organization, when we enter in, we become the chaos in that very system, establishing order and peace. Never forget what Jesus restored to us at Calvary that which was stolen from us in the Garden of Eden, dominion. Turn with me in the Word of God to the book of Luke, the 8th chapter, the 22nd through the 25th verse. And it reads like this in the King James Version, Now it came to pass on a certain day that he went into a ship with his disciples, and he said unto them, Let us go over unto the other side of the lake, and they launched forth, but as they sailed, he fell asleep, and there came down a storm of wind on the lake, and they were filled with water, and were in jeopardy. And they came to him and awoke him, saying, Master, Master, we perish. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and the raging of the water, and they ceased, and there was a calm. 
And he said unto them, Where is your faith? And they, being afraid, wondered, saying one to another, What manner of man is this? For he commandeth even the winds and water, and they obey him. I give you the topic of today's brief lesson, immunity from the storms of this life. Not as a question, or not rather as a statement, but as a question. The backdrop to this passage of scripture is Jesus ministering to crowds of people. They had been pressing in upon him most of the day at this point, demanding and needing help from him. The pressure and the physical strain had gotten to Jesus, which wore him down. He needed time to get away and rejuvenate from the crowds. Jesus decides that he's going to cross the lake by boat. This would give him the opportunity to get the rest that he needed while he was on the boat, entrusting his care to his disciples who were able fishermen used to rowing boats, sailing seas. We too often discount the humanity of Christ when we talk about him. Jesus was as much man as he was God. The physical body of Christ was not immune to the normal course of human existence. Jesus was tired and needed sleep. He was fully man, flesh and blood, and because of this he sometimes suffered exhaustion just as any hard-working man does. When we remember the humanity of Jesus, it helps us tremendously in understanding God. Because Jesus' humanity, being fully man, highlights God more. It highlights and sets off his deity in at least a few ways. First, Christ's humanity is having to suffer through life even as we suffer through life. And it shows us the great love of God for us. You see, in Christ, God identifies with man. He identifies fully in every way and in everything. He knows how we feel, how we suffer, because he too was fully man. He knows all the trials and experiences, the day-to-day -day routines of life. And because of this, he is able to save us from the depths to the uttermost. The word tells us in Hebrews 2, 16 through 18, For verily he took not on him that nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted, he is able to succor them that are tempted. For we, not, we have not a high priest which can't be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need, Hebrews 4, 15-16. We see in these two passages that Jesus had to deal with the very same things that you and I deal with. 
He was not immune. He was not somehow removed from life in everything that life throws at us. But he had to endure even as we have to endure. The humanity of Christ also shows us that there is great power in God. It shows God's power to actually become a man and to bring about the incarnation of God into the flesh. Standing before us as flesh and blood, Jesus Christ is power demonstrated in God's sovereignty over creation. God is sovereign. He can do anything, even become a man. You see, the power that Jesus has had, that Jesus has, and the sovereignty are clearly seen even in this event that we're talking about, the storm raging on the sea. He was definitely God, just as much as he was definitely man. And we must never forget this. Because of his humanity, he is able to comprehend our suffering. I'm sure many of us have prayed and asked, God, do you not see what is going on in the land? Do you not comprehend? Do you not understand? Can you not feel our suffering? Because of his humanity, he is able to comprehend our suffering. Many of us have been and are even now suffering greatly because of the pestilence that is in the land, COVID-19 the coronavirus. When we look to the power of this world system, we see only confusion, disunity, and hopelessness. When we look to the very ones who are put in positions that are supposed to help us through this epidemic, it seems like none of them are on the same page. They can't even tell you the same thing. We desire for hope. And while some may be trying to give hope, others are just repeating despair. Because of this mixed message that our earthen leaders are giving us, we are all doing too many different things, which is only causing the pandemic to continue, and in many cases today, even worsen. As we examine this scripture more, I want you to see something wonderful. Here, though the storm that they're dealing with was not a pandemic in this moment, it was equally devastating, if not more so, because their very lives were in jeopardy. And because of the trouble that they faced, they came to Jesus crying out, Master, Master, we perish. They had no problem realizing and acknowledging their need. They believed and were sure that the only help for them was Jesus. And it was their cry, that desperate, fervent cry that awakens Jesus. He responded to their need. And the danger and the fear were immediately relieved. You ever wonder, here the disciples are, they're with Jesus. They've seen the many wonderful, miraculous things that he's done. Yet even after seeing these things and being in his very presence, 
fear still gripped their heart when a storm that challenged the very existence of their life came about. If we take a closer look at this interaction, we see something strange. The disciples are freaked out. Now these disciples weren't novice seafaring men, nor was this the very first storm that they had ever faced while on the sea. These were fishermen. They've been on the sea most of their days. They've seen storms come and go. Yet this one gripped them. So if it's not because of the history, their experience, then there has to be something else going on here. Maybe an expectation that because they are with Christ, somehow they're immune from the storms of life. The difference between this storm and the other storms that they faced on the sea was who they were standing in fellowship with. This is the first storm they faced on the sea while with Christ. And I believe that they didn't expect, nor were they then mentally or physically prepared to deal with the storm as it came, because they believed, because they were with Jesus, storms wouldn't even come. This is the false message that many in the body of Christ have come to believe about their walk with Christ in this present life. Too many of our leaders preach messages that focus on the blessings of God only without the reality of our human existence in a world that is not devoid of trouble. Too many believe that because they are with Christ, they have somehow become immune to trouble. This could not be farther from the truth. Too many people believe that when trouble comes, it's some indicator that you are away from Christ, that somehow you're living in a manner in which the trouble has become a disciplinary measure meted out against you from a loving God. This also could not be farther from the truth. The Word of God tells us to watch and pray, which indicates that while prayer, our spiritual connection and communion to God is vital, it does not remove the need for us to watch for the calamity that is in the world today. We have to watch while we are praying. We cannot ignore nor expect the things of this world to somehow not touch us. The disciples were afraid because they didn't expect to have to deal with this level of struggle because Jesus was with them. What kind of calamity could this be that it would fall on them even while in the presence of the Almighty? Many of us feel the same way today. While we deal with and see the impact of the coronavirus on our brothers and sisters, even those in the body of Christ. The next thing we see in the text demonstrates our very power in the storms we face while we are yet in an earthen condition. We have just watched, or some of us have watched as our democratic process is completed in the election of a new president of the United States of America. The common theme was that every vote counted. And as we watched, it became more and more prevalent as the, t the tally of votes for each of the candidates was decided only by a few votes. No other election had more people actually even voted 
which was referred to as each voter's voice being heard. The power of your voice was demonstrated in the power of your vote. The power of your vote was in fact the fulfillment of your voice in action. Well, what does Jesus do in this interaction? Jesus uses his voice. Jesus rebuked the wind and raging water by simply speaking to it. It was his word that removed the threat and that brought calm both within nature and within the fearful hearts of his brethren. Philippians 4, 6-7 says it like this, Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, shall keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You see, Jesus' mastery over the sea was not partial, it was absolute. He was clearly showing or bringing revelation that he was the sovereign Lord of the universe. It was his word that created. He is the manifestation of his word in the flesh. Even as everything came to be the, by the power of his uttering, so too is the authority established through the power of his uttering. Jesus' mastery over the fear of the human heart was also absolute, clearly showing that he was the loving God that man desperately needs. Christ can calm the storms that often confront us, even this storm of COVID-19, even systematic racism, even the immorality in our land, even the hatred and the bigotry, even all the disease and pestilence that are troubling us and stealing our life. Jesus can bring calm to the storms of life just as he brought calm to his disciples. As soon as the disciples acknowledged their need, demonstrated their belief by speaking or calling out on Jesus, Understanding that Jesus was the only system, the only authority, and the only power that could heal them. God's word is the source and power that brings calmness to the storms of life. Matthew 28 and 18 declares, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Jesus has everything that we need. All power is demonstrated in Christ. And if you understand who you are in Christ, then you'll have the understanding that all power then is revealed in you. The very power that created the universe is seated in you. In this earthen vessel is housed the excellency of the power of God. Not that we would boast, for it is not ours, but his who lives in us. John 14 and 27 says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. I don't have to be afraid. 
I don't have to even be troubled by what's going on. Because seated in me is the very power necessary to change. The very power necessary, the authority to declare into the atmosphere what should be. John 16 and 33 says, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Now watch this. We're not immune from the trouble of the world because the Bible says, In the world ye shall have tribulation. <laughs> ah, but even though tribulation is going to come, it also declares, But be of good cheer, because he, I, have overcome the world. That means that everything that's in the world has already been overcome by Christ. Even COVID-19, the coronavirus, even the violence that is in our midst, the senseless taking of life, even the hatred that is in the land, it has all been overcome by Christ. This is what the the, the word of God promises us in 2 Timothy 4 and 18. And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work and will preserve me unto his heavenly kingdom to whom be glory forever and ever. I am preserved in Christ so that even though I'm not immune from the tribulation that comes in the world, I am preserved through it. The power and the authority of God is demonstrated in me through my preservation that as I enter into that which is designed to destroy me, I come out on the other side as a demonstration of God's authority, of God's overcoming power over everything that we face in life. As a matter of fact, Isaiah 41 and 10 puts it like this, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee, yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. And then Jeremiah reminds us in 33 and 3, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Man cannot figure it out, but God already knows it, and he will demonstrate it if we but call on the name of the Lord. For the promise of God's word is if we call on the name of the Lord, we shall be saved. It doesn't matter what we're going through. Call on the name of the Lord and we shall be saved. Jesus' faith in God is demonstrated in this text. Look carefully at the question that Jesus poses to his disciples. He asks, where is your faith? In fact, he was contrasting his confidence with their confidence. He was trusting God as man and asking why they were not trusting God. There are a few points that I want to leave with you before I go today. First, Jesus is stressing the absolute necessity for his people to have faith in God. He demonstrated faith perfectly by sleeping in the middle of the storm. His life was in the hands of God. He had put it there 
Therefore, his destiny was under God's control and at God's disposal. This was the lesson that Christ wanted to teach his disciples. That even in the middle of everything that was going on, they could be in so much peace that as the world is tearing itself apart, they could actually, in fact, gain rest because they were at peace that God has already taken care of them. Jesus was also rebuking the disciples. He rebuked their fear, their lack of faith. We often, as the children of God, like to use words like wisdom as a declaration that hides our fear. I'm just being wise. When in fact, the wisdom of God confounds the wisdom of man. The wisdom of God seems like foolishness to man. I must do the things that man says because they seem right. And the things that God says seems crazy. This is the way we think. We feed our fear. We protect our fear. Rather than doing what Jesus declared by rebuking fear. As a matter of fact, we understand in the word that fear was not something that was given to us by God. But fear is a revelation of missing faith. You see, they shouldn't have been terrified by the storm. They should have labored against the storm, knowing that Jesus was with them. And because he was with them, he wouldn't let them perish. They should have known that their lives and their destiny were in the hands of Jesus. They were covered in the love, the care, and the power of Christ. The faith of the, of the disciples was to be used. Their faith was not meant to be dormant. Their faith is not meant to just be lying within their hearts as something that we admire on the shelf in the museum. Faith existed for the purpose of struggling against the storm. They were to exercise the very faith that they had in Christ when the storm came and become the storm in the storm. The very time for us to use our faith is when the storms of life come. It is against the storms that our faith is to be aroused and exercised. Matthew 17 and 20 says, Verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible for you. Nothing shall be impossible to the believer that stands upon the word of God, not being swayed to the left or the right, tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, but only believing that which is true. True according to God's word, which cannot fail. His word says it is possible. It is possible. Joe Biden, the president-elect of the United States of America, in his acceptance speech or his victory speech, said last night that America is the land of possibilities. Oh, he has no idea what he was saying. 
It's not America that's the land of possibilities. It's, it is the kingdom of God that is the land of possibilities. Because in the kingdom, all things become possible. Everything has been given over to you to have dominion over. Mark 9 and 23 says, Jesus said unto him, if thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. Ephesians 6 and 16, I'm only telling you what the word declares. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked. You see, when you stand behind your shield of faith, it prevents you from operating in fear from keeping you from moving forward in your call or in your anointing or in what God has set you out to accomplish. Hebrews 11 and 6 declares, it, without faith, it is impossible to, to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. James 1, 5 through 6 declares, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God that giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But let him ask in faith, not wavering. For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea, driven with the wind and tossed. Some of us, we are wavering in this storm that we're facing in life. Of Second Chronicles 20 and 20 says, Believe in the Lord your God, so shall ye be established. Believe his prophets, so shall ye prosper. Your very prosperity is connected to your belief in God. Your belief in God propels you. It is the fuel to your fire that cannot be quenched. Your fire that says, I will not be put into a box and hidden on a shelf only to break out in emergencies. But I am here and I will use it each and every day as I walk in my dominion, that which has been restored to me in Christ. Lastly, the disciples feared as those who stand in the presence of God himself. They did not fully understand the person of Christ, but they knew they stood in the presence of the one who aroused reverence due to God. This is seen in what they said. You see, they were afraid, stricken with awe and reverence after Jesus calms the storm. They wondered which means they marveled at his enormous power and his sovereignty. They marveled so much that they asked, who is this? This was just the question Jesus wanted them to ask. And it is the question that Jesus is wanting you to ask, who is he? That he commands even the elements of life itself. They needed to be thinking about who he was. This is the same question that is being asked now at the conclusion of this election. 
about Joe Biden. Who is this man? And about Kamala Harris. Who is this woman who will lead this nation? Will this be more of the same? Or can we expect something different? I have wonderful news for you, people of God. As far as this election goes and what the future of America looks like as it relates to our governmental structure, only time will tell. But as far as Jesus is concerned, he is the one who is and was and is to come. The Lord God Almighty, the maker and sustainer of the heavens and the earth, my El Shaddai, my Jehovah Rapha, my Jehovah Nisi, my Jehovah Yaira, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. He is able to keep me in this storm. I stand in the face of the pestilence in the land and declare the word of God, which is letting my voice be heard. My God is greater than any disease. My God is greater than poverty. My God is greater than the disunity that is in the land. My God is greater than the power behind the violence in our nation. My God is greater than the racism in the system. My God is greater than everything that stands against me. My God is greater. And because my God is greater, I am prospering in the storm, even as my soul is prospering in the Lord. God bless you, people of God. Do not be dismayed by what you've seen, by what you've heard. I know that President-elect Joe has said he's going to put his confidence in the science to find a solution to this disease. The solution to this disease was found over 2,000 years ago, and it was delivered into our hands when he laid his life down and declared it was finished. Nothing more needs to be done. The power has been restored. The authority has been restored. What was stolen from me has been returned. And because I am now standing in that power and in that authority, I won't let anything stop me. I won't let anything block me. There is no defensive line that can keep me from getting to the goal, to the very thing God has established and determined for me to do. For he that is with me is greater than all that stands against me. People of God, know who you are. Know who it is that is alive in you. Don't be dismayed. Because too many of us have told you that somehow you're immune from the storms of life. They've lied. You're not immune. The word clearly tells us we will deal with them. But the promise is 
is that when we deal with them, they are subject to the authority in us. While we're in this earthen condition, no matter what it is we're going to go through, you have the authority and the dominion to determine what the end result will be. I've determined that I shall live and declare the word of God. God bless you. Heaven smile upon you and know that Jesus is with you.